Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. I can't just do Don Pardo again. Can't you? Whip it out. We'll see. This isn't that type of show, sir. <laughs> Fluss. Hi, uh, I'm Cody Narvison. My audition for Saturday Night Live is Flustered Don Pardo. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace for sure. Featuring Harry Mackin. No. Nick, Nick Ransbottom. Are you introing me? Or? Yeah, alphabetical order. And your host, Jason, you don't get to talk, you're not on this episode. <laughs> and your host, Brute Lancaster. Did you say Brute Lancaster? Yeah, Jason told us to, oh. to say that. <laughs> Didn't you say Squirt Lancaster? <laughs> and your host, Squirt Jason, Lancaster. Jason, you want to get on this mic? <laughs> Some people. Bert the Squirt Lancaster. Hi there, Bert. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not a lot of people know that Burt from Sesame Street <laughs> was actually based on Burt Lancaster. <laughs> yep, that's true. You can tell that's that. why he has you this fucking ripped ass. <laughs> because he's stoic and kind of a jerk. <laughs> actually, I don't know if Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster plays jerks, but as we talked about yesterday, there's the importance of separating the art the from the artist. Exactly. Well, well said. We're very uh, intellectual here on Try Love. For sure. Try Harry, Dove. We should start recording. Try, mm, uh, Try we've, been re- we've been recording all along. Welcome to Try Love, a figurative roundtable podcast. Literal. I'm Harry. I'm Nick Ransbottom. Special guest Nick Ransbottom, thank you again for joining us. And I'm Cody. And as you've no doubt noticed by now, uh, our regular host, Jason, is away. He's in Thank the other God. room right now. You can maybe hear him if he's been yelling. The kids uh, can play. But he didn't come to this movie with us, so he doesn't get to be on the episode. That's how it works. Correct. It's our job to convince him that this movie is worth watching. So that's so uh, please like, rate, and subscribe. Uh, make this the most listened to episode. Make please. sure that you know we're sort of fly by night right now. We don't have our usual host, so we're we're going to do our best. Uh, hopefully, it works out. I'm yep. very f- afraid that I'm not used to sitting on this side in the host chair. It's scary. Yeah, you got to recalibrate. A, it's one chair. Yeah, it's just a no, chair. You, you, the the need to recalibrate is real. Um, the need to recalibrate is real. Coming soon to the Carlip <laughs> shop. See, <laughs> we're doing it. <laughs> um, uh, let's, uh, let's get into some. Yeah, uh, today we're talking about uh, the 1947 <laughs> film by Jules Dassin, Brute Force. Cody, I think you've got some stats to yeah. pull up for us. Uh, yeah, they're not uh, so much stats as they are um, credits, maybe. <laughs> uh, but I'll work in some stats as I can, such as runtime, which is 98 minutes. <laughs> got That's it. a stat, I guess. Is it really 98 minutes? Yeah, 98 minutes. It's like two minutes longer than Naked City. It felt longer it fe- to me. It I did don't know feel why. really long, yeah. yeah. I was going to say it felt shorter than Naked City. Interesting. Like, okay. really... Just, I don't know, to uh, me distinctly. We point that out. Uh, we just recorded our Naked City episode, uh, another Jules Dassin yeah, movie. Pulling back the uh, curtain. Yeah, Jules Dassin did a, um, or the Trine Line did a Jules Dassin run lately. I think that these are the last two. 
Uh, uh, that I think sounds we're moving right. on. Yeah. But they did. They also did um, Rafifi, mm-hmm. Uptight, Naked City, Brute Force. Were there any other? Oh, um, All Screwed Up or. Is that what that one's uh, called? I don't know if that was part. I, uh, I think that was a different. Yeah, theme. I don't. I don't think that was. Um, yeah, cause okay. th- th- there were um, concurrent themes uh, that they had. Um, I don't remember the other one right now because Jason's not here, and I'm recalibrating too. So I'm in. I'm, I'm any mistakes that we bit. make are yeah. because Jason's not here. Um, yeah, I think I was the only one here who also saw Rafifi. Um, Harry, you and I saw Uptight. Uh, all great viewings. Yeah, he's a he's a fascinating and very like versatile filmmaker like i think that that there are very few filmmakers in my opinion that are able to make movies as diverse as uptight naked city and brute force those are yeah. three remarkably different movies that that seem to have very few commonalities between them yeah except for the fact that uptight's climax is kind of uh naked city's climax yeah but that's a whole it's maybe a different episode yeah i guess yeah uh you were gonna say some stuff about yeah brute some force. stats uh, directed by Jules Dassan, as we said, produced by Mark Hellinger. Um, Again. And we talked about in The Naked City, which we recorded just before this, pulling back the curtain. Um, he passed away uh, during the like post-production phase of The Naked City, which was released the year after this. So yeah, one of rest his, in peace. One of the last movies he worked on. Yeah, rest in peace indeed. Uh, screenplay by Richard Brooks. Story by Robert Patterson. Um, starring uh, Br- Brute Lancaster. Mm. Um, Hume Cronin. Um, Charles Bickford. Uh, Hume Cronin, I guess. I don't know if that's... You know, I'm Hume doing, the, I'm doing right. the best I can. Uh, same with uh, music by Miklos Rosa. I Including an awesome kick-ass main theme. Yes. God, what a good main theme the main Brute theme Force Force is really, really good. Um, so I'm just... Why not? I'll go down the line. Cinematography, William H. Daniels, edited by Edward Curtis. Production company is Mark Helling- Hellinger's production company, Mark Hellinger Productions. Um, <laughs> this makes gets, sense. I wonder how we arrived at that name. <laughs> Distributed by Universal Pictures. Uh, <coughs> it was originally released in the United States June 30th, 1947. Uh, the language spoken in this movie is English. And uh, the box office is uh, $2.2 million. Wikipedia says that that's U.S. rentals. So I don't... What the hell does that mean? I don't know. Uh, maybe there are no records of like the domestic box Wild. office take. Uh, so they got the next best thing i have no clue i um, guess no budget this has a criterion thing. release i think it's on the criterion channel as well it is. oh nice yeah, yeah so you can check it out there city. yeah, yeah. Nice. i need to i need to get a subscription to the criterion channel but i fully intend to pick up brute force there's a pretty cool brute force shirt that has burt lancaster on it i think uh, that's also the the case uh the, the cover of the yeah release i think i'm gonna maybe maybe cop that that <laughs> that'd be a good that. move Oh, sorry, is, that a, is that a pun uh yeah that was what i was going for thank you uh which brings <laughs> us to the plot of Brute Force. Yeah. Cody, Brute Force. Hit it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing that one back. Good. Uh, the plot. Hit it. Uh, so we uh, we open in. Um, we we're at prison. We're in prison. Uh, it's rainy. It's dark. Uh, the staging is is really great. Um, it's a limited setting movie, and that we're just uh, aside from flashbacks that we get every now and again, <laughs> which we'll jump into. Uh, we're in this prison, and so we get that introduced really early. Uh, we're introduced. Uh, we get introduced to this because uh, one of um, one of the inmates has passed away. He's, uh, I believe, in a, a cellmate of our main crew of characters, uh, who's kind of uh, run, uh, whose foreman is uh, the like the prom king of prison, uh, Joe Collins. Joe Collins, played by Brute Lancaster. Yeah, um, it's Burt Lancaster. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Brute Lancaster as often as I say his name. Uh, and he, uh, Joe Collins, is uh, painted as a like a very um, 
He, he's he's kind of wily. He's a, a bit of a rebel. He, natural leader type natural leader of character. Everybody uh, looks to him before he really says more than a couple sentences. Uh, we're back at his cell. We see, you know, people are giving his buddies are giving him cigarettes, lighting them for him. They're saying, you know, whatever you say, Joe. He just got out of solitary because Correct. another inmate had planted a shiv on him, mm-hmm. um, which resulted in his being transferred to solitary and away from his group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that experience has sort of radicalized him and made him decide that I'm going to get out of this prison because of unfair treatment and because I, uh, I need to get out. He's got a. Um, fiance or not a fiance but maybe just a girlfriend yeah like a partner yeah who's sick and isn't going through with an operation that could save her life because mm-hmm. she doesn't want to until he's out i Correct. guess yep. is which is kind of a weird framing but well uh, i actually don't think she knows he's in prison i think because that's part he of it. tells yep. his lawyer do not tell her where that's I right yeah. okay i'm sorry uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, good uh, one and again we'll we'll, we'll get into <laughs> some of the nitty-gritties here but through flashback we learned that he and um his, uh, you know, this this lo- this love interest, this partner of his, uh, she doesn't know a lot about his past. Uh, he, you know, she doesn't care. She loves him um, for the person that he's been to her, and from what she knows about him. Uh, so yeah, I think he's uh, keeping that close to the chest until he's with her again, so he can be with her forever. Um, he gets picked up and sent to prison on his quote unquote last job. Uh, you know, like the the last you know <coughs> bit of 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 thievery or whatever. Yeah, it is there's that a really he does. good bit of framing where you get the sense that like this this guy was in sort of an unrepentant, brutal criminal until he met the love of his life. Yeah, uh, which is which is great. Um, not to to get too far into our sort of analysis, but like in general, this movie it sounds very pulpy and very melodramatic because it is. Yeah, uh, I think that this is like a classic example of like a prison melodrama mm-hmm. in the like most. Uh, sort of extreme and classical sense, mm-hmm. um, and I think it pulls it off really, really well. I do but, too. Uh, yes, um, and there's ultimately there's uh, not a whole lot of, and maybe that's why I thought this film moved like really quickly. At least for me, is that there's not a lot of plot necessarily. Ultimately, once Collins comes back, you know his 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 drive for the rest of the film is to get out to plan uh, an escape. We do get the framing of those narr- uh, those uh, flashbacks of um, the other, you know, hit Collins and his and his. He has, inma- he has inma- four buddies. other cellmates yep. who are like his band of brothers type yeah. deal. They have a really great camaraderie and chemistry with yeah. one another. So yeah, so the film is learning about them, uh, learning about the the structure of the prison. There's a, a warden, um, and there's also uh, Captain Muncie, who's like the the lead enforcer of the warden's uh, rules, you know, the rules and regulations of the prison. He uh, is shown eventually uh, in many ways to uh, physically and mentally and emotionally torture the inmates, which is part of his drive for having this position. He very much gets off on it. Um, And he's he's a conniving, ambitious man who mm -hmm. his ultimate goal is actually to undermine the warden so that the warden is forced to reside or is fired and he can take over Mm -hmm. running the prison the way he wants to he literally is in an ss uniform for mm-hmm. most of this movie yeah. yep. he's just like the fucking sneering face of evil again mm-hmm. in like the most melodramatic sense yeah like, like this dude is a dude who literally about an hour into the movie has a monologue about power and the inherent differences between people yeah and on the nose uh, comparison for muncie <laughs> is uh hans landa who um is he's also very he does that sort of emotional torture uh and physical torture that muncie does and he's like as londa eventually i guess spoil mild spoilers for inglorious bastards uh londa is very willing to jump ship from 
uh, Hitler's regime if it means furthering his own like position uh, or like basically what he what he comes out as he you know if there's more money on the other side obviously that's where he wants to be. We should also shout out I think Hume Cronin uh, who is not known for playing villains actually which yeah. is kind of surprising yeah. because I think he plays this to like an unbelievable T. Like I, yeah. I think he right down to like. Like, he has this mastery over physical characteristics where, like, uh, there's there's this really funny transition where um, Joe Collins says, like, wait, careful what you say. Uh, there are a lot of ears in this building, and they all belong to one person. And then it, it cuts right to Hume Cronin, who has these big ears. And, it, like, it's, <laughs> it's such a funny physical, like, like shout-out because, like, also the way that he has his hair and the way he's wearing his hat accentuates them mm. because the hat is sort of like folded uh, under the ears yeah. but like you just like it's so funny I like, didn't even notice that that's I didn't notice that anyway I'm sorry to keep interrupting no that's okay um, th- I mean again since this is so like narratively limited I feel like painting who these characters are because I guess directly comparing to Naked City which we just recorded there are more illustrious characters here and more well-rounded characters that are worth like kind of jumping off and right. talking about but Suffice it to say, uh, yeah. Joe creates a plan mm-hmm. to escape from the prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, we follow a struggle of wills between uh, the heroic Joe and his band of brothers and his various allies on the inside, Gallagher, who is this sort of centrist character who he, has an interesting plot arc. Where isn't he? Sorry, isn't he the com- the, in, the inmate comedian who smashes watermelons uh, with, with <laughs> a mallet? Uh, yeah, continue. That was very. Um, so so Gallagher's been Jason cuts that. I'm he's close. he's been on the inside <laughs> uh, for six years, um, and he's the he's the like fixer, kind of like Red in Shawshank Redemption, where he he has hookups to get uh, people things, and he sort of has an unspoken tacit agreement with the guards about the way that uh, criminals are treated, and he says he's um, he has arrived at that by playing both sides, about communicating with both sides. He thinks that the system that he is a part of works and his arc is about coming to realize that it doesn't work at all that uh this power differential cannot continue and that he will always be exploited um so that's an interesting arc there's also the doctor do you remember the doctor's name um i can look it up he's played by art smith uh he's very much the like the voice the mouthpiece for this film's ideology yeah Um, Yeah. very pointedly at times which i think is okay again in the melodramatic sense right like he literally is about stating the express themes of the film. He does uh, do the title drop. He does do the title drop. It's one of the best title drops yeah. ever in a movie. I wrote yeah. down on one page, title drop, bitches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it. Well, and, and like, what's so great about that, and that's, uh, again, going back to the sort of pivotal scene, which is maybe a good jumping off point of sure. this movie, yeah. between the doctor, uh, whose name I can't remember. Dr. Walters. Walters. That's funny, because the character has such big Walter Matthau energy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, nice. Um... <coughs> He, uh, he and um, Captain Muncie are having this sort of ideological argument about uh, Muncie says that, that it's right and natural for him to have the place that he has over these people because he's inherently uh, more clever and more uh, ambitious and more driven and more disciplined. And therefore, this power deferential exists basically in nature is sort of the point that he's trying to make is that like, like oh, uh, of course it's natural that I'm here and that these criminals are beneath me, and that's the way things should be, and I'm going to continue to press my advantages in order to affect this power deferential where I can be on top of these people. And, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, and uh, and the doctor's whole point is like, no, like you're none of those things. You're using 
brute force to achieve what you want. That's right, Muncie. Not cleverness. Not imagination. Force. Brute force. And you see it coming like 30 seconds before, and I was like fucking cheering in the theater. I was like, let's I go! Think all lost our minds. They actually, yeah. how did you watch the rest of this movie? Because they kicked you out after you right. jumped yeah, from correct. your seat. Uh, my apologies to the Trilon. Uh, Shout out to the Trilon before we watch this movie. Right. Um... And so, so that's the idea, though, right? Mm. Is that like th- it, this is a fascinating movie to me because it's like uh, I hate to always come back to this, but like there's something like ontological about this movie to me in that it's like it's like what if uh, Nick, you pointed out that this is probably a pre-code movie? Uh, it's not. Oh, it's Actually, not. No, but it is a French filmmaker. It is, which is a, well, he's a American, but then I think he moved okay to France. So, uh, but but anyway, like like this to me felt like. It's like a leftist melodrama. Yeah, it's it's like it's like a leftist prison abolitionist melodrama in in a context and of a time where that was unheard of and it never really existed, right? Like we never right. really got a rich tradition of like explicitly leftist, um, like melodramatic uh, pulp fiction like this, and so it was so gratifying to me to see. That there's this movie where these people are legitimate criminals. None of these people are in for the wrong reasons, the way they would be in another trope-filled story like this. And they are still unambiguously the heroes. And the way that they attempt to affect justice isn't by working within the system or sub- um, rehabilitating the system. It's about attempting to destroy the system because the system is broken. And this movie is about coming to realize how the system is broken, who the people who really benefit from the system are, and what we have to do to undermine that system. And again, like, I'm not saying that this is a particularly deep movie, uh, but it it is a movie that is working within a melodramatic framework in order to tell like, a really radical uh, message which i thought was amazing yeah. yeah um and i look reading back on this movie uh inevitably comparing it to naked city upon its release uh, it wasn't as big uh, of a hit as something like naked city was i initially thought it was because I, i'm sure in part it was to those like those sensibilities um it ended up being uh like largely because of um i guess people who did see it it didn't sit well because of uh, the violence portrayed on screen, which I think is interesting because, uh, you know, this isn't a classically violent film and that, like, the violence is explicitly shown. Um, there's lots of, like, editing around it. Um, like, the, the beating of um, this inmate, Louis, who uh, Muncie's trying to get information from, we, like, see like the arm motions and we hear like sound effects off screen and, and there are lots of moments like that too. very pointedly we also see people reacting in horror right like, there's a really affecting moment where uh this is near the end of the movie yep. muncie is is again proving out the thesis that the doctor stated where all he is is brute force and mm-hmm. attempting to force people to his will uh he has like a pipe that he's beating the journalist prisoner with uh in it attempting to get him to admit that uh collins has this plan and he's beating him in this office, and we don't see the beatings happen. We just see the, the like, room outside the office where all of these, like, workers are, and they're, like, flinching and, like, grimacing yeah. at the sound one that they hear. Up yeah, they're like, I can't take this. Yeah, that one guard who, like, just can't take it, he stands up very, like, 
pissed off. He throws his c- hand of cards on the table, and like it's a it's a thing we've seen before. Like that's yeah. But, yeah. It, but it's so effective, mm-hmm. uh, and that's sort of how I would characterize a lot of this movie. Is that like it's doing things that a lot of other movies have done. It's working within very established genre frameworks, mm-hmm. but it's but it's doing it uh, for a really good purpose and masterfully. Like mm-hmm. I think that this is just like a perfect piece of melodrama, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite parts, again, uh, that you shouted out earlier, Cody, is that like how well the chemistry between the the um, the inmates works. Mm-hmm. Like these are these are men who are all like they just love each other. Yeah, and like like they have such a like genuine camaraderie uh, it, that is like not toxic at all and not sort of like predicated on machismo. Right, at like all. ribbing one another in a uh, really right. like yeah. like refreshing way mm-hmm. i thought it's very genuine yeah it felt yeah it, this whole movie feels like desperately genuine yeah uh in a way that again like comparing it to naked city is really interesting right because mm-hmm. naked city is such an ironic movie and this is such a hard on its sleeve movie and yeah. so it was fun to compare those two yeah and uh one of the like great framing device one of the first looks we get at our um our band of protagonists um collins comes back he kind of saw the um i forget the name of the inmate who he died in the working in the the prison like tunnel uh yeah, the, it's, the drain it's pipe it's weird they call it the drain pipe it seems to be like a mine of some sort under yeah. the prison yeah. i yeah. i was not exactly clear what its function was right part of uh I, yeah because they neither. dump stuff into the ocean exactly so. they they mine rocks out of it to clear up space and they just dump it in the ocean um pretty ambiguous uh but its grander purpose uh, within the story is basically Muncie. Uh, everyone, if prisoners need to be reassigned, if inmates need to be reassigned to different work within the confines of the prison, they if they get sent to work in the drain pipe, that's a place where a lot of accidents can happen. A lot of people go there to die. It's a it's a punishment in a death sentence, right? right? Yeah. Because like they said, like even if you don't get killed in like a mining cave-in mm-hmm. tunneling accident, like the air down there is bad. It's like where you send people that are problems. Like mm-hmm. Muncie explicitly says at one point, like you're not fit for public life, you won't accept prison life, so we're going to start you on a new life in the drain pipe. And yeah. that's supposed to be like, oh shit, you're fucked now. Right. Yeah. And this, uh, this inmate that we see, you know, get carted off in a in a hearse, uh, Collins comes back to the cell, and somebody, uh, there's another. I'm blanking on his name, but they basically get a new inmate to kind of fill that out. Um, they get a they have a sixth inmate temporarily before other stuff in the movie happens. Uh, but but it's uh, an introduction to all of them there because this inmate is meeting all of them for the first time, and you get that uh, like that sense of camaraderie very early, where like Collins, who again is like homecoming king of this entire prison like they introduce this guy and you know they just kind of say like yeah um you know the man who just passed away is a hard one to follow and then he immediately follows that with like a very firm handshake it fucking rules man it was great yeah oh god like it's yeah and then they proceed to talk about um masturbation for a couple minutes yeah it's it's one of the funny like it's a central metaphor of the movie and they very explicitly make it the metaphor they have (coughs) they have a pin-up calendar girl on the wall in their mm-hmm. cell, uh, and they're talking about how, and and again, like they literally just spell it out. This movie is not subtle at all. Mm-hmm. But they they talk about how like no, the calendar girl is just a representation. It gets it gets you. He literally says it yeah. gets you started. It gets you started. It gets you started thinking about the the woman that you really love and and this this becomes the sort of uh stepping off point for each of the characters respective flashbacks i don't think all of the cellmates have their own flashbacks no, um, but they they yeah. all tell their stories 
using this calendar girl as like a stepping off point for their life outside. It's mm-hmm. it's a symbol for what they want and why they're in here, but also like the lives that they have to return to. Yeah. And how they're not criminals or just criminals, right? right. They're people. Uh, and that's sort of what that represents. It's like pretty gendered that like all of the the women are outside the prison and waiting for their men. Uh, they do some interesting ways to subvert it. There's like a one of the career criminals on the inside uh, is like this Lupin the Third esque con man. Uh, are, are we talking about the uh, uh, Flossie? Yes. Well, uh, Flossie's his his right. paramour. I think yeah. right. I think Kid Koi is that Kid Mates. Is that his name? I think Kid Koi. This movie fucking rules, dude. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, like like his backstory is that he was at an illegal uh, gambling house and he met this woman Flossie, who like was his like perfect woman because and and to the movie's credit, uh, he keeps saying it's because she's so smart. Like she was gorgeous, but she was also like so smart, and she like she knew what the score was, which is pretty funny. Uh, and like <laughs> like so the the deal was that things were too good to be true, right? Like he was gambling, he kept winning, and like Flossie was next to him. She was his good luck charm, and like he couldn't lose while Flossie was next to him. And then. The police raid this place, and they have to get out. And but Flossie knows exactly what to do. She she hides his gun for him so that the police won't take it. She leads him out uh, back through this secret exit. His car is right there. Like she had that planned. It's and like a it's like a dream. It's sequence. like a dream it's for him. Yeah. And 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 he's like, this was like that. This is the the best dame I ever met. And like, but then they're driving, and she pulls out his gun and robs him. And he says, and that was the last time I ever saw my car, my cash, or my Flossie. <laughs> it rules. Like, yeah. it was such a good scene. I wonder who Flossie's fleecing now. Yeah, yeah. just like the, the, the end line. Another yeah. line that we were all like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They asked us all. That, that was our first warning before they were like, next time we're going to have to kick right. you out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and I failed. Uh, <laughs> two minutes later, he was out of the theater. There's, yeah. a, there's another. Uh, the. Inmates all have their own tragic backstories like this, and these tragic backstories give them a common purpose to escape from the prison because it becomes clearer and clearer that, um, like, every time anybody acts up, there's this fascistic crackdown where they have uh, privileges taken from them. At one point, the Department of Defense, and it's interesting that they say it's the Department of Defense itself, uh, just says there will be no paroles anymore, and that's what gets Gallagher to switch sides and decide, like, oh, centrism won't work. Um, he has a really great line. Again, there are a lot of really great monologues in this movie, but there, there's a line where he says, those, those gates only open three times. When you arrive, when you've served your time, or when you die. And like, cause his Except whole, he screamed it very, right. very loudly. But because his whole thing was like, oh, like if you behave well, if you work within the system, right. you, can get, you can have special privileges, you can leave, they'll treat you right. And it becomes clearer and clearer, no, like they're not interested in treating you right. The like best you part are, of that scene, too, is when he's leaving, and the warden is like, will, will you still cooperate? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he like leers at him, he gives the, him the darkest, dirtiest look. I also, slams I, I kept <sighs> saying that to Eric about like, man, this warden fucking sucks. Like, it was so funny <laughs> that like, the warden existed to be the most ineffectual, like, mealy mouthed coward that like you had ever seen and Muncie just walks all over him yeah. and so does the doctor like the doctor yeah. who is like uh, again like a great classic archetype of like this drunk uh like, philosopher basically. philosopher yeah. exactly yeah. uh there's a really good line oh in the, yeah, yeah go something ahead. about uh 
the doctor makes some some line about uh, about freedom or something, and, and Muncie like deadpans like it's a shame that you're a better philosopher than you are a doctor. <laughs> yeah, and then beat, and I'm getting tired of you as both. <laughs> yeah, it's like a really, <laughs> really great departments or yeah. something. Yeah, uh, the writing in this movie is is really uh, sharp and yeah, fun in is. my opinion. Uh, one other thing that, that Doctor Walters has going for him is that he is like noticeably older than the rest of the staff. Yeah. Um. So it's it's a nice. Like safety net for him. I think he even says at one point, "Like this is my last stop, either way." And, and or for what, you, it's just the beginning, he's right? Exactly. Yeah. It's like he he's at the end of his like. If he part of me thinks he doesn't even like need this work. Uh, he's here because he <coughs> likes you know providing those uh, like those kind of back end phil- philosophical insights. Well, and, maybe and, he's and like also, also being a, a doctor. He's a philosophical pessimist, right? Like yeah. as we learn at the end of the the movie, he feels that he is also himself trapped mm-hmm. within a system that that requires him to treat humans inhumanely. Right. Uh, as in his capacity as a doctor, in his capacity as a worker for the state, mm-hmm. he feels that that being a doctor means exploiting these people essentially mm-hmm. and that's why he is so cynical and so sort of resigned to this this fate of his yeah which is it's interesting uh you know you can critique it it's like you're still a free man though yeah dude true uh, but but the the idea is that that his his feelings of entrapment within the system gives him an empathy with the prisoners that allow him to help them because sure. he does he is an active helper with Joe's plan, right? He works against the confines of the like the the system. justice system. Right. Yeah. yeah, he warns Joe that he, he once he knows about his plan at the right. climax, and yeah. he also uh, sort of begrudgingly um, gives Joe alibis at several times. Mm-hmm. Which we should point out that like yeah. these heroes are like like I said before, they're brutal criminals, right? Oh yeah, like, my god, the scene when the guy with the, has the hit on him? Yeah, yeah. so yeah. The, the first... Take the flamethrowers. The, the first thing Joe does when he gets out of the hole is he orchestrates the assassination of the guy who put him in there. And this is... Um, this is kind of foreshadowed uh, because the next morning everybody's, you know, at breakfast or whatever. The next day they're in the mess hall and uh, this, uh, this guy, Wilson... He's uh, he's scrambling around to, to Gallagher, uh, I think, to maybe a couple others, too. He tries to talk to Muncie. He's like, hey, you got to help me. you got to help me. Uh, Muncie says later, you know, just like whatever happens to him, you know, he made his mistakes. Uh, and then that just kind of lets us know that, like, this guy is probably going to be toast later. Yeah, there's that great line when he's talking to Gallagher. And he's like, you know, if you want money, I'll pay. And he goes, oh, you'll pay. It's like God, Gallagher. There are a few zingers like that that work super well. <laughs> there, there are so oh, many good. We zingers all get ours, all of us, all of us. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so the way that they kill this guy is, and like everybody in the prison is in on it. They stage a riot uh, in the workhouse, and then Wilson ten thirty. Yeah, they Wilson. keep saying Wilson ten thirty to each other, and they're all organized. And then, like while this riot is happening, they take these blowtorches <laughs> and they corner Wilson and like like back him into this corner. This is Collins and his crew do this until he falls into like this a pneumatic crusher? press yeah. and he's just crushed and mm-hmm. it's it's brutal and the the there are two different examples of this sort of prison justice that this movie has like a remarkably like positive view of where they're just like hey like that's justice like that guy was a fucking snitch mm-hmm. and like it's it's there's another snitch at the end of the movie um to to sort of move ahead a little bit, yeah. Uh, one of the five, I think it's the new guy, right? Freshman Stack. Uh, yeah, freshman. Freshman Stack. Yeah. He's he's the guy that replaced the dead inmate um, in the uh, in Colin cell. I don't know. Oh, is he not? No. no. Uh, I, think I thought that's why they called him freshman. That's that was kind of confusing to me too. Uh, the new guy 
there was that bit where he was like the watch out and he was like shaving in yeah. the in the, the guy stuff. who had the girl That's Henrietta. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Sorry, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Um. No. I, freshman stack. I don't even know if we got his backstory. Come to think of it, we no, I don't think so. Yes. Um. Uh. Collins deduces later. Uh. Like. Pretty like genius, genius, yeah. so good. Oh my God. Le- leading up to this, uh, we're hopping around a little bit, but the heist at the end, um, you're they're planning their escape. It's mere minutes before, and Collins goes around to everybody and he's like, you know, hey, like, you know, we're about to get set up. Like, w- what do you want your role to be? And everybody else in their own way just kind of says like, hey, uh, you know, I defer to you. Like, I'll, I'll do what you and, tell me well, to and do. You, and it's it's always like framed in this really great like like I believe in all of you and I love all of you yep. and I'm gonna do whatever it takes. And it's yeah. like like the way that he figures out who the Judas is is like everybody else is like like do or ride or die, and yeah. it, it's so good. Like yeah. like the fact because it's it's so established, right? Like yeah. these men are all they all love each other so much, and right. like so it totally makes sense that that's how you'd figure it out. Is that like the the dude who is the the Judas is like uh uh I want I'll, the, I'll take the, the, like, yeah, the, the hardest right? that'll be the hardest one I guess so I'll go out last it's because he knows there's a fucking machine gun that's yeah. ready to mow them all oh down yeah um we should talk about the plan because it, that sure. was another interesting point to me is that like usually in movies like this like in Shawshank mm-hmm. um <laughs> the plan is like really elaborate and is sort of the final staging of the movie is like unpacking like how did they do something like this incredible and this yes how did they pull that off and and like like how meticulous was the plan the plan here is not very meticulous it's it's not um shout out to howard duff who we just talked about in the naked city episode uh listen to that if that comes out before this um (laughs) uh, howard duff played niles in the naked city he plays robert uh, quote soldier Becker uh, they call him soldier because uh, he's he, a veteran of World War II he's, yep exactly he's a vet and he's the one who actually describes this uh, this plan so he kind of goes back to an old anecdote that he had where uh, they had parties coming in on land and like from the ocean and there was a hill that they had to breach in order to defeat the enemy and as he modeled with like a box a chess and chess pieces. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's uh, a th- man. That's such a good scene too, because like they're all in their cell. It's the middle of the night, and he keeps saying, "Give me more light." <laughs> and they have to <laughs> light, they have to light matches. matches, and you see the matches burning down towards their fingers. Mm-hmm. And I was so anxious about it. I was like, "Oh, you're gonna burn your fingies." Yeah, <laughs> fingies. <laughs> Uh, but but they but they they keep using that as a framing device, yeah. and it's it's funny because like again, the plan was so simple that like I was like, you don't really need this like this model yeah. to describe it. But anyway, yeah, go, I mean, I I don't know. I'm about it, 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 it gives us something new to look at, and it's it was all, so and it's also like this is an important vis- vis- visualization for us to match against how the prison looks. Just to kind of, it, it was a nice added touch. Oh, to be I, like, yeah, because, I loved it also. Yeah, yeah, yeah Joe in the. Uh, uh, Warren, is it Cathedral? Yes, that's the that's uh, the name of the building. Oh, yeah, that yeah, sounds right. I think with that's right. Gallagher, yep. he has the map of the prison that he's drawing. Yeah, yeah, and show, going over the plan. Right, based on that. Yeah, it was, it was nice visual matching for sh- for sure. Just to be like, you know, this is where the enemy is. They can't cover both sides. So as long as we, you know have a different avenue to breach them from like we'll be we'll be in good shape and that's what this drain pipe is right because the guy who died he had found that there's this there's this outlet where they dump the rocks that they're mining Mm -hmm. into the ocean and that outlet gives you i i wasn't super clear but like i think it gives them an avenue to access the guard tower yep there's uh, a switch on the rails that then yeah leads to the guard tower 
Right. And so the whole idea is you take the guard tower, you take away their machine gun, and like once you take that away, I mean, you literally seize their power. Yeah, prisoners, you know, outnumber the guards, you know, a a thousand to one. That's another great aspect of this plan is that like it's not. It's not just about Collins getting out or, or everyone else getting or like it's about literally everybody in the prison getting out. And like Collins says like, Oh, I don't care about anybody else, but that's like not true, right? Like Yeah. That was um something uh, I think the movie could have maybe stuck with this a little bit more, but uh near the end it's um Collins and Gallagher team up. Uh and Gallagher is he's framed as sort of a rogue until uh and I wrote this in my notes, Chekhov's Gallagher parole, because uh, <laughs> I was like, well, he, he's not getting that parole, baby. Um, and that's like what drives Gallagher to, because all the parole rights are taken away after, you know, uh, things happen. Prisoners are unruly. Somebody kills themselves. Uh, and so but all the rights of the prisoners are taken away. And that's what prompts Gallagher, who Collins has already spoken with in the movie, to be like, hey, Joe, uh, you know, maybe, you know, this, you know, this, let's do this, basically. So we're going to pool our resources. And, like, Gallagher being framed as kind of like an all-for-himself kind of rogue uh, ends up dooming what little chance they have at the end. Like, it's already... Like a, yeah, that's like, right. It's already like like a thousand and one chance at this point. Like all of all of Co- Collins's buddies, uh, they're all dead at this point. It's mm-hmm. just Joe who's already been shot in the back. You and know, he's so late. He yeah yeah. He's late to you know. He told Gallagher and the crew, he's like, hey, you know, I'm gonna be there at twelve seventeen to open the gate. Just like be there, be ready. You know, I promise I'll be there. And like he gets shot. He's staggering up the steps. Gallagher's looking at the clock and he's like, you know, he's late. Every man for themselves. Uh, like he's so quick to flip that switch again. That he tries to ram the gate with a car, just in like, uh, like a very like a solo hero move, yeah. and that ends up jamming the door, which is which is the final nail in the coffin. Of right, the right. Nail again, the, nail in the coffin. Not like you know they had a whole lot of hope to begin right. with, but that was just kind of it's like an added layer. Fun, just yeah. so brutal to watch. Selfishness yeah. versus selflessness is actually an interesting motif in this movie, for sure. Mm-hmm. Because Collins does say that he's only in this for himself. Like, like the shift that happens before the movie is like you get the sense that the reason why this guy is a natural leader is because of his selflessness, because his mm-hmm. his of his love and camaraderie for his uh, friends and inmates. That shifts because after he gets out of the hole, he says like. I'm in this for one thing, and it's getting out, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to whoever I have to do it to to get out. Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting arc there. But but even in the end, in the third act, Collins is eventually informed by the doctor that um, Muncie knows about his plan and is has uh, created a countermeasure and is actually, in fact, hoping that Collins will go through with this plan anyway mm-hmm. so that he can thwart it and become this sort of folk hero that would increase his own prestige and power. Mm-hmm. Collins, there's a there's a great shot where Collins looks at the faces of each one of his inmates and the doctor is begging him, like, don't go through with this. Like, it's what they want. They have a plan. There's a second machine gun at the... Uh, um, at the fork, mm-hmm. which again, that's a great metaphor. Yeah. That he said, like, well, they can't cover both sides. Nobody can cover both sides. It turns out the system can. Like, they absolutely can cover both sides. You have no chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and Collins thinks anyway, like, I, we have to do it anyway. And he doesn't tell anybody about the plant. Uh, he does actually because he uh, he finds the rat, mm-hmm. and then they again in in the second um, depiction of really great prison justice, yeah. they <sighs> strap him to. 
the cart. The so front of it. So he just gets fucking lit up yeah. by this machine he takes, gun. Yeah, a whole buttload of bullets. Uh, which, like, in, in like, the, the 2000s Rambo version of this movie, that guy's body would just be obliterated, yep. right? It wasn't in this because this is a movie from 1947. Right. But, like, it's still impactful, right? Yeah. That, like, he's literally, literally being wheeled toward a machine yeah. gun, and this machine gun is just fucking taking him apart. Mm. Uh, but, so Collins has this sort of... Um, not not nihilistic, but like this, he's making this end run. Like mm-hmm. he knows that that this plan is doomed to fail because Muncie knew about it, and because you can't beat the system, because right. there's always a guy on the inside. There's always they've always got a way to mm-hmm. undermine you, and he goes through with it anyway. And that does get his friends killed. It does. So, yeah. but but he's still not considered really the wrong party there, right? Like, right. Like, his tragic flaw isn't necessarily selfishness, which is an interesting point to make. Like, yeah. there's an interesting thing here where, like, like in fact, Gallagher's sort of play both sides within the system, eck out the privilege that you can get, is portrayed as the failure here. Mm-hmm. Because in the end, he defaults back to that. He defaults back to, it's every man for himself, we've right. got a million in one shot, he tries to ram the gate open, that's what kills the plan. Yeah. Whereas... Uh, Collins himself is also in it for himself, but he's about destroying the system for everyone. Mm. Right. It's like leftism versus centrism. And that's yep. that is the the point that I was uh, working my way to. No, you're <laughs> no, you're right. You just you should just lay it out that it explicitly is that like step over Harry's toes. There's like some there's some sense in which it's more honorable to be against. Like it's about destroying the system, even yeah. for selfish purposes, rather than working within the system totally. for selfish right. purposes. Yeah, exactly. Because like like Joe. Joe isn't a visionary, right? Like he's right. not a he's not a uh, revolutionary. He just wants out. Mm. But the way he's going to get out is going to open the doors for everyone else. Yeah, uh, literally. I, right. Um, we uh, going back to the the flashbacks. Just kind of learning about Joe's motivation for getting out. Um, the the flashbacks in my mind get more. I don't know if this is intentional or not, but I guess it's sort of like there's a correlation between like the ordering of these flashbacks and like the. Uh, I guess how much we're supposed to relate or like sympathize with these characters and they also the characters also get more and more central um like I think like soldiers is maybe second to last and he has like a decent amount of lines Joe's is the last one and uh I liked this scene a lot like border like borderline tearing up because of how like melodramatic and like are we oh, talking about soldiers flashback no uh oh uh, joe's, joe's, joe's oh, flashback. Both, both of those both got of them, me. both of them are I, liked, really good. I liked all the flashbacks a whole oh lot. yeah yeah for the record all yeah, of them yeah. were great uh joe's was just like a real knockout to me yeah, um, yeah for be- sure be- and we've, we've already talked about it but it's just so like they're really they're really going for it yeah. they're, they're really uh you know different uh, umpteen different ways of them saying, you know, like, oh, hey, once I'm back, like, you know, we can be together, and I love you so much. Like, your past doesn't there's matter. A, there's a great framing of the dream. Is that what you're? Oh sorry. no, no, go ahead. I was going to say there's a great line too, uh, for me personally, because his partner is dying of cancer, and she says, you know, why do you want to be with someone who's sick? You know, they you don't want someone who's sick. All, all they want to do, they don't love you, they pity you, which is a genuine fear. I can confirm as someone who's terminally yeah. ill. Like, the way that they play that up, just very nonchalantly, mm-hmm. and they didn't focus on it. He didn't try to argue with that viewpoint. It's interesting, it, right? Because it's so it would be so easy so to make genuine. that exploitative. Right, exactly. But it didn't feel exploitative. It felt genuine, right? right. And he, he says, like, I'm not all people. I'm just one guy, just Joe one Collins. Guy. And that's how, you know, that's how it feels sometimes. Yeah. It's like, I think, yeah, I think she says something like, 
um, you know, why do you love me? I'm sick all the time. Like, you always have to help me. And then he just kind of says, like, well, there are different types of, like, sick oh, people. and We can help each other. And, like, uh, like I think, you know, we could help each other. God, that lamb was Beautiful. Yeah. 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 I was, I was so it was emotional. A, man, oh great scene. God. A great scene. And, like, again, like, completely within a, a melodramatic framework. Like, mm-hmm. these are very dramatic, very sort of over-the-top. Like big acting, big melodramatic lines, yeah. big melodramatic musical stings and framing, and it all works just perfectly, in yeah. my opinion. And that uh, and that scene maybe kind of uh, lends to like our capability as viewers to see Joe as somebody, even though uh, you know, again, he's it, it further establishes his motivation for getting out, which is very individualized, um, arguably selfish. But like seeing him being able to emote like this like lends itself to think like you know this camaraderie he has with you know his his brothers here in his jail cell like this is probably for real because we've we've now seen his emotional spectrum he's able to do that i mean he even gives money to yeah the last time he sees his partner he gives the caretaker Mm -hmm. you know make sure she doesn't go without Mm -hmm. and in the prison he's constantly trying to get his attorney you know to have her have the operation right and he tells him Take the money, set it aside. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. he's he's always about helping and, people. And his yeah. his escape isn't even for himself, right? Like, right. It's it's not just to be with the person he loves; it's to save the person right. he yep. loves. Exactly, life. exactly. And so there's this sense in which, like, everything he's doing ultimately stems from a love for other people and mm-hmm. a need to see other people flourish. Um, like literally to save his uh, loved one's life, to help his friends, and so like there's there's a sense in which like like even on the the micro level, Joe's um, again not a revolutionary, but but someone who uh, his motivations stem from a loving sort of um, mm-hmm. selfishness in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Whereas Muncie is all about the self and all about the advancement of the self in the most sort of selfish terms uh, possible, mm-hmm. and how his his like self motivation in in his um identity is all about undermining other people like in order for him to see himself that way he has to create a system whereby people are less than human right in yeah. order for him to be in the position that he wants to be in um which is yeah. which is you know a, a classic story of good and evil uh it works really well i will say too i did not i, I thought muncie's death was kind of anticlimactic sure you know, do you want to set that up a little bit uh, Joe's, you know, raiding the tower. He gets the gate open. It gets jammed. Yep. Him and Muncie are fighting. Muncie freaking slaps him with an ammo that belt. That was so good, yeah. And I was just like, oh my god. Um, <laughs> and then Joe just kind of like sucker punches him and then picks him up. And yeah, they, they exchange him. blows uh, without his firearms, without that... Um, Veil of intimidation. So Muncie, how much? Muncie who kind of falls apart. Exactly. <laughs> makes makes you think, huh? Uh, also, yeah. Burt Lancaster <laughs> has uh, has what's his name? Uh, Hume Cronin by like maybe fifty pounds. It is like correct. Like six feet. It kind of reminded me of uh, this is a really weird reference to make, but uh, at the end of the Street Fighter movie, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme has to fight Raul Julia. <laughs> and, and, like, that, that's supposed to be set up. Jean Claude like, Van Damme fighting model. Gomez Adams. Yeah, and, and, and like it's like I wonder who's gonna win this—the like sixty-year-old man or like this fucking thirty-five-year-old like action buff hero. But anyway, it's sort of what that reminded me of. But Burt Lancaster, uh, Joe literally picks Muncie up over his head and like Bane in Batman and like throws him uh, down the tower into into the, the crowd, and the right. prisoners mob him, which yeah. is great. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, nice, like, I don't know. You're uh, right, though. It was sort of cosmic yeah, death. Yeah, like, I wanted him to get more of a comeuppance. I th- I th- it's, like, it's cosmically, symbolically good. Uh, we, the, the violence that we see put forth towards uh, everybody that Muncie interacts with, like, we don't get that with his death uh, explicitly, which is kind of a bummer. But yeah, I'm okay that's, with... That's exactly you wanted more yeah. retribution. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, that's it is, totally It is fair. really well framed in the sense that, like, they threw Molotovs at the tower to, like, try to obscure the view so there are flames everywhere. At one point, we see, like, this, this laughing, angry Muncie firing a machine gun over the flames, and so we literally see the flames licking up the camera. And God, uh, every it's like, shot he's just a devil. So like, good. Yeah, it, he, it's, a, it's extremely well framed. Um, uh, yeah, I think that that may be the real standout, like you said, uh, Cody, are the flashbacks, right? Because yeah. like yeah. they're so deeply humanizing of these these prisoners, and like they do such a great job of establishing these characters and mm-hmm. and creating characters that we care about. Yeah, um, I, even uh, within the melodrama, for sure. One thing I didn't, I, I was wary of those, and I was wary of this movie in general coming in because of the trailer uh, that the trial on showed being like. A um, couple different times, you know, and the women on the I'm outside the one, who I may or may not be waiting for coat. Oh, yeah, which was also great. <laughs> hilarious. It's oh, very funny. Uh, and just the whole like, material dialectal yeah. dialecticism. Excuse me. Sorry. You can say it again so we have it as a soundbite. No, nope, no, no, no. Material dialecticism. That's not <laughs> That's even not how you say it. The right way to say it. Uh, I didn't say it right it. either. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying uh, I. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, the whole like um, and the women on the outside who may or may not be waiting for them. Just like, oh, this is. I hope these flashbacks aren't like weirdly gendered and, and limited. It, but like, they were not I was, that. I was also extremely afraid of misogyny. Yeah. I think that this movie kind of walks it right. Like, I think yeah. it does a pretty good job of skirting that line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so too. Except that, like, like all of the relationships are very traditionally gendered which right. isn't great um, uh, yeah very yeah man and a woman um, the the, the inmates the inmates don't kiss which is some bullshit like <laughs> yeah, all, all would, of those people in that the night before making the out. night before there should have been an orgy in uh, I'm R17. saying the soldier and they're Joe, all like, like yep, they're God, like in 100%. various states of undress the whole time like they keep cutting back and forth <laughs> I, from the I was sitting beside Cody and I was like oh like, <laughs> yeah, yeah man like sort of undressing <laughs> And like like <laughs> kid coy, yeah, kid coy's like literally like his his button up is like half unbuttoned, and you can see his chest. And I was like, what's going on in this <laughs> prison? Uh, yeah, it, supreme vibes of uh, on the hidden episode, the whole like tired and shirtless in bed. Uh, yeah. I was like tired, about to do prison ba- break, standing up in my jail cell, shirtless. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is not a thing. But I'm, I'm only going to make one gamer reference. Do it. I'm sorry. Uh, this this whole like the vibes of like ultimate non-toxic male camaraderie reminded me a lot of Yakuza. Oh my God. <laughs> Where like like they're these Yakuza who are so in love with each other and it's like so beautiful and pure and I was like be in love with each other. But uh that that is to say that that the the <coughs> flashbacks work really well for that, right? Mm-hmm. And also yeah. establish again the sort of unfair rules of the the universe in which mm-hmm. these people inhabit. Where soldier he he is arrested for <coughs> for giving food to the family of his loved one well, in Technically, I, I don't think his sentence would have been as bad if his daughter, his that's right, girlfriend shot her, her father, father, and he took the blame for it. Right, it's like you. That's had a really good flashback. Yeah, uh, that's that's probably my favorite. Like the yeah. emotion 
with Joe's flashback is mm-hmm. more, and that kind of hit me more. Yeah. In terms of, like, just pure interest. Right. The soldier's flashback. More happened so, in his flashback. Like, and all of the flashbacks so are, like, short films, right? Yeah. yeah. It's it's really the, like little the main expression. They're previews uh, of, they're clips from films that I would also watch. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. Like, that's, like, the yeah. main draw of this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you could have framed this movie a lot of ways. They ended up framing it in, like, a pulpy sense, which also works really well. But also, like getting to know these prisoners on the inside mm-hmm. uh, point by point and sort of filling out their backstory, it, it makes up a big chunk of this movie mm-hmm. and is sort of the main draw of this movie. One uh, little thing that Dustin does uh, that also kind of helps, it doesn't even tangibly like build any up, uh, build up any of the characters in any way, but it's just kind of after the characters have, had been established, it's movie night and immediately following the movie, the warden gets over the loudspeaker and is like you know, hey, you. Know, we need to keep everybody in line, or or I'm gonna, or I'm gonna lose my job. Uh, but like, we all need to follow the rules. Reminded and, me of being in high school, and like oh, your principal yeah. would say that shit all the time. Definitely, yeah. Uh, and, and during this speech, we we pop around. We cut to all of the different uh, inmate characters, and I, maybe even like uh, Muncie too. I could be misremembering, but for sure, all the characters. Uh, that are prisoners that we've met at that point, we, like, cut to close-ups of all of them to see kind of their reactions. Um, and it, like, you know, not just our heroes or, or, you know, like, our core group of heroes, but also, like, Gallagher um, and j- just everybody else. And That was just, like, a nice, like, uni- unifying thing that, just like that movie brute force didn't need that but it was just like a little and it it, it speaks to how like deeply and invested this movie is in actually characterizing all yeah, of its characters yeah. like even its side characters there's uh calypso which again like not an amazing like not a great name guys like i think that they're just calling him his I, nationality I like, yeah yeah it yeah. is but like right. it refers yeah, to the fact right. that yeah yeah um but he he sings everything like he, and he's got this beautiful voice <laughs> he, he sings he like like everything that he says and it's it's always like like he makes a song out of what they're doing uh and it, it's again sort of a metaphor but mm-hmm. but it's also just like it's it's such a endearing character trait yeah. like i loved like that guy that I think everyone loved him like yeah. In, yeah. in the universe in the movie uh-huh. yeah. yeah uh he reminded me of the of pele in life aquatic um, yeah, exactly. Like the it, musical bookends or just like kind of punctuation marks to sequences. Um, nothing he said really like or sang or instrumented contributed to like describing what was going on. But they were just nice kind of like we catch our breath for a second. Yeah. Enjoy this. Yeah, music. Like, like Gene Belcher. Just like <laughs> <type character. laughs> yes. deeply humanizes in anti-human environment. Right. Like, yes. like it, if there's a guy singing like mournfully when you cart off another prisoner, like all of a sudden that's a different scene than right. if he had been carted off without that music um we're coming up on time i yeah. guess yep uh what else do we want to say about this movie uh, like i think it yeah. works it, i think it all worked really really well for me mm-hmm. um uh we should probably talk about the ending uh the Oof. yeah it's brutal the plan fails mm-hmm. everybody dies yep uh <laughs> the only success that joe and his company have are that they kill muncie uh but muncie got minced Mm. Uh, and but that's that's Joe's last Just, breath, right? He mm. throws Muncie from the tower and then he dies. Uh, well, actually, yeah, he. He sees Gallagher blocking the tower, yeah. and then he just kind of he gives like a ah, yeah. and then he dies because uh, Gallagher, ye of little faith, he uh, he rams the like you said, he rams the gates right before the uh, Joe opens the gates because he thought Joe was late and that meant they had failed. Yeah, it kind of was weird though. Like no one thought to like, hey, we should probably push this truck back. 
Yeah. There's like a thousand people there. And it's also like if only the gate opened outward instead of inward. <laughs> yeah. Like they would have been fine. It would have been fine. But it, the doors open and inward. And also, how do, you, like, how, do you know, how do you not know, Gallagher, that those doors open yeah, inward? You stand like, in that yard And you think about those gates constantly. You yeah. had that whole monologue about it. Anyway, um, the, it's also like there's a really great um, – motif in this movie of time everybody's always asking each other what time it is you can see clocks in like almost every scene mm-hmm. i think yeah. it's like high noon we're yeah. like we're like yeah. uh, wow great comp like um you there's this clock over the prison yard there are clocks in the cells in the um the doctor's office and like like timing and the way time works and doing time are like all like like enmeshed in this movie in a really interesting way and like the climax ultimately relies on Mm -hmm. like timing as the sort of establishment uh this movie also is like a great powder keg like it builds up like by the time the climax is is coming around you're so tense because like i mean everything's been building towards that's referenced early in the movie right with the doctor saying you know you don't have a prison you have a human bomb human bomb yeah. yeah yeah it's uh that works really well the way that this movie um establishes dramatic stakes and then ratchets them up through the course of the movie to create a really dramatic yeah, I, climax. Yeah, I think I just kept writing down tension tension tension. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it works yeah. really well. Um, uh, yeah, the only other scene I would want to point out and maybe you both would want to talk about too, the uh scene kind of near the end that journalist uh inmate, he wants uh, to he wants a story and he wants to help our heroes. Uh, does anybody want to set the stage for the you know what it's scene I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, he's he's in the mechanic yard. Uh, he's he's trying to do a story on um, on <coughs> being a mechanic in prison and what it teaches you. Right. And uh, this is just to establish later on that that he is sort of an informer for Joe. Mm-hmm. That he he goes uh, he goes to all levels of the prison. He's afforded a level of access other people don't have because he's a journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's asking these questions and. In the course of asking these questions, his real purpose for being there is to provide the fuses for the dynamite that are in the truck that they're going to use to blow the gates. Molotovs. Or, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and so he says, like, where are your tools? He says, here, I'll show you. And then, like, that's when they put the Molotovs in the truck. This guard all of a sudden walks over, and we think the jig is up. And so they're they're both <laughs> panicking and because this guard, like, wraps them with the uh, billy club. Yeah. And he, he steps in, and he says, hey, journalist. And then there's, like, a beat, and they're like, what? And and then he goes, make sure you get his name right. His wife keeps a scrapbook. scrapbook. And then he, he just, like, he thinks it's so funny that he's like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> And then the other two prisoners who are, like, very, who just, were up until now afraid for their lives because they <laughs> thought that they had been caught, they both just start, like, nervously <laughs> laughing. Huh? Uh, and he just goes on like ah, ah. it's and like so, ten seconds, ten seconds, and just two nervous, two nervous laughing uh, prisoners, and this guard who's losing his mind at his own joke. Everybody else in that theater was laughing too, and that's the end of the scene. Yeah. And then <laughs> the scene so transitions. Good. It fucking rules. It was so it was funny. So good. Uh, God, that movie was good. Yeah, I want to rewatch it. Great, yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, again, just like a really good, like leftist melodrama um, from out of nowhere. Uh, in it. Just yeah, like quintessential filmmaking, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah, like a great, great Prison Break movie. Um, a, a Prison Break movie that avoids a lot of the worst tropes of Prison Break movies, where it's all about the uh, intricacies of the like escape. I I don't love Prison Break movies that are like heist movies in that way, and I I really like that that this centered on the characters instead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Muncie's a great villain. Uh, great Joe villain. is a great protagonist. Yeah. 
Um, what else have we got? I got I got nothing else. I got nothing else. Great uh, acting. Yeah, great yeah, acting. Absolutely. Like I said, I'm uh, very excited to eventually pick up the Criterion release uh, of Brute Force. Brute Force and Naked City. I noticed only have DVD uh, oh, that's releases. Too bad. Uh, looking at you, Criterion. Uh, see if we can get a, a an enhanced Blu-ray uh, edition of Brute Force. That would be awesome. What if they did it but only for Naked City? Uh, I would. Uh, I would die. <laughs> How do you think this fits into Dasan's filmography? Um, so we were talking, uh, you and I were talking a little bit about this yesterday, and we were talking, uh, as you noted, kind of the diverse filmography mm-hmm. of Dasan. Uh, and I think the only, because you and I both also saw Uptight, I had seen Rafifi. Rafifi has a lot of similar uh, traits and sensibilities that... Um, Brute Force and Naked City have. Uh, Rufifi is is a heist film um, fraught with with action and its own bits of uh, melodrama, but not like quite as intense. Um, so I think those all group together pretty well, um, just you know thematically um, and just as as movies. Uh, Uptight is is an interesting addition to his filmography. It being you know a, a story a story about Black Panthers. Uh, and kind of that experience. Yeah, it's a really interesting movie um, because it's it's based on a. It's also in color. It's based on a novel called The Informer, which mm. is about the Irish Revolution. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. And so it was adapted to the struggles of black liberation and right. black nationalism by white director Jules Dessen. Yes, uh, which is a, a problem. Yes, I, in my opinion. Um, but that is a very fascinating movie. Um, it's sort of an interesting, uh, maybe the way, and this is totally um, speculative on my part. But based on what we've seen, um, I think Jules Dassin was maybe interested in experimenting with genre mm-hmm. and with uh, framework in his filmography because brute force is such an obvious like melodrama genre. Like it, it feels like the Dassin take on melodrama and mm-hmm. on um, Prison Break movies, mm-hmm. whereas Naked City was so obviously a different kind of experiment or a different yeah. sort of take on a genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, likewise, sort of kept preserved his sort of personal feelings on what that genre was. Mm-hmm. What happened? Uh, I think out. it just like... Uh, oh, it's good. Okay. Yeah. We had to jiggle the mouse. It, the computer fell asleep. This is what happens when Jason isn't you here. Click, you clicked the mouse cursor and I got nervous. <laughs> I just I was like, oh God, it <laughs> did, was over the record button. Did we just delete button? everything? Yeah, I'm just writing down stuff happened. We'll, uh, we'll take it out in post. Probably. This is something I can say now that I'm the host. R.I.P. Jason. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, Dasan is is an interesting filmmaker. I think that he has a lot of interesting takes on working within conventional spaces to create different um, ideas. Definitely, I want to like. I, I would definitely <coughs> want to see a, a more uh, not a critique of uh, the schedule that has been put together at Trilon, but I would be very interested to see more like a, a more extensive expanded. Uh, selection from Dasan. Yeah, we'll just have to, see to check out more of his offer, movies. For sure. It would be really interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh, to sort of wrap up, I think that in my take on uh, Brute Force is that it is a very genuine, very hard on its sleeve uh, piece of like melodrama pulp that that carries its genre very admirably and uses it to make more radical points about the human struggle against incarceration and against um, dehumanization within 
the penal system or the the systems of criminal justice and ultimately what that suggests about uh societal systems of um uh meritocracy and human worth broadly in mm-hmm. a way that that really sings for me um which is, oh the doctor has a great line at the end where he says like no one really escapes and mm-hmm. it, it just zooms it frames, out and you see the bars on the window of his doctor's room mm-hmm. implying that and and they had just had a conversation about how like nobody's ever won nobody ever escapes from a system like, like why this do they keep trying? so why do they yeah. keep doing it and we have to figure out why this happens and that's a great note to end on yeah. there's yeah. like a specific uh, Sisyphus um, yep. element to that sure. about how like like why do humans persist mm-hmm. in this this absurd terrible system that we've created for ourselves right. and what does it suggest that we can't help but try to escape anyway mm-hmm. regardless of how impossible that may be like do human beings yearn for something better are we like destined for something better because of the way that we uh, rail against these injustices mm. it, it's a good it's a good stopping point it's heartbreaking right yep yeah, yeah. There's, I think, Nick, you had yeah. said that you really, like, were affected by that. Anime. Yeah, I was like, I liked the movie up until the last 20 seconds, which is a lie. I liked the last 20 seconds. Right, it but it's like, tough. Ooh, boy. It's, like, it's, <sighs> like, those last 20 seconds, the last couple scenes are enough to make you not want to revisit this movie ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, because it's so, like, Between it's... Between the truck, yeah, locking the gate, yeah, and then so, that line it, it's such so... a It's such a bummer note to end on, to put it mildly. Um, very traumatizing. Um, I think the, like, the sappy melodrama type stuff that's um like not a great term for it because it makes it think or gives the impression that it's not good and it's not it or like it's it not that it's, it's amazing yeah. yeah yeah um no it, it's great and like that in itself is enough to make me want to revisit this film um i really yeah i like yeah. the ending for how it it also um it reframes the entire movie up to that point, right? I, yeah. like, I feel like there's no other way it could have ended. There yeah, was the plan right, right. going to shit. But, but like, it's not a movie that you think is a tragedy, right. necessarily, right. until it is. Right. And it's like the inevitability of it. Exactly. Right. And then the last yeah. 20 seconds, you're like, oh, well, yeah, I guess that is what I was that is yeah, expecting. That is how this had to happen. Yeah. Like, that, like Nick said, it's how it had to end. Yeah. Or, it's I, 2019, and, like, that is still the ending to this movie that yeah. we're living in. Yep. Well, in, 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 right, and, like, framing this as a tragedy, it, you evaluate the characters so differently, and yeah. it becomes such a different and sad thing mm-hmm. and, and a more urgent thing about the need to change systems like these yeah. um, in a way that works. So, yeah, uh, Brute Force, a movie that works. Uh, Naked City, a movie that doesn't. Jason isn't here, so I get to I, add I, the final I, I word like on that. that movie. Damn it, Nick's still here. I forgot. <laughs> I didn't forget That's about That's what all my friends say. <laughs> I no, thank you so much, Nick. Yeah. We love having you here. Uh, please come back. This is special guest Nick Ransbottom. Uh, My at, sixth episode. Yeah, yeah. He's basically a regular now, which yep. is great. He's at the Ezio Kenway. Yes. Is there anything you'd like to plug? You've Not got a, right a comic <laughs> right book in the works. I, I do. I'm very uh, excited about that. No idea when that's coming out. Well, but it has a name, right? Yeah, The Bounty. The Bounty. Yes. Uh, and you're writing that comic I, book. I have written it. It's being illustrated. By, by my good friend Sarah Alfaki. So look for that. It looks amazing. I can't wait. She's yeah. an amazing illustrator. She is. Nick yeah. is an amazing writer. Uh, no, he's going to be. Uh, it's going to be great. You should all read that. Um, Cody is a regular on this podcast. You Hi. can find him at Cody underscore BH. Right. That's right. Yeah. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, nope, not at all. That's uh, watch Cody play Quidditch. Please stop. Oh, you. No compliments for Cody. He's fine. He's a fine and I'm good. Fine. 
podcaster. I'm okay. And I'm Harry, at Shitaki Harry, etc. Uh, Jason wasn't on the pod, but you can find him at Nintendivus. We have been Trilove on the Trilove podcast, at Trilove Podcast. Uh, <laughs> we like Trilon a lot, that's why we do this. I'm not a host, I am just a contributor. I talked too much during this. This is ending now. Yes? Mm-hmm. All right. Please. What, how do you want to end it? What, there's uh, got to be a line. There should no, be a line we, we do from a thing, We do a thing where I see the person, uh, Jason, or you go to the record button, and I usually say something, so wait for me to say the thing before you...